The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to P.I.'s Declassified, an inside look at the world of private investigators. Your host is Francie Kaler, a noted private investigator. Francie and her guests take you behind the scenes and into the genuine, sometimes gritty business of investigation. You'll hear stories from the trenches with plenty of surprises. Here's your host, Francie Kaler. Good morning. Uh, We have a really interesting case for you today. June 20th, 2012. Alma Alicia James was on the run with her two sons, nine-year-old Zane and 12-year-old Mateo. She took them from, their ho- from her home in Texas to Mexico. Now, the court had already awarded custody to her estranged husband, an Iraqi and Kosovo Army veteran, Stephen James. But it didn't matter. She took them anyway. She was charged with first-degree aggravated kidnapping and a lawful flight to avoid prosecution. But, of course, that was after a long process, which you'll hear about. Stephen thought he would never see his boys again. And this case captured the interest of California PI Logan Clark, who has worked tirelessly and without compensation for 11 months and located the boys in Mexico. So thanks to Logan's work and the work of Texas Williamson County District Attorney's Office, Zane and Mateo returned to Texas and reunited with their father just just a very few weeks ago. So I have here with me Stephen James, the boy's father. Stephen, um, first of all, tell me about how you must have felt when you found out your boys were gone. Um, that's devastated. I mean... Uh... It's definitely the, the the worst fear ever. You know, I just I don't know how to describe that level of fear. It's like I was just thrown into a pit or something. And you, um, you and you call her Alma. Your ex-wife, uh, no. you call her Alma. No, she went by Alicia. She went by Alicia. Okay, you and Alicia met when? When did you guys get together? Uh, we met back in uh, um, 1999, the end of 1999, and uh, uh, we're married uh, in early 2000. Now, you were in, were you in the Army at the time? Uh, yes, yes. Okay, um, and you had already been in Kosovo? Uh, no, point. actually, uh, we, I went to Kosovo in the end of 2000. Okay, all right, and then served time in Iraq as well? Yes. Okay, so then um, you, the two of you, two of you and your boys were living in Texas when your marriage kind of fell apart. Yes, yes, okay. uh, we were living outside of Fort Hood. Okay, and tell us why it was that you were awarded the custody of the children. It's always a very tough um, process. Well. 
Um, the, the, she had a lot of problems, alcoholism. Um, uh, she had uh, several affairs online, things like that, that contributed to the final decision. Um, but ultimately, um, one of the biggest reasons I was awarded custody is because she just got up and deserted the family. She got arrested um, for assaulting me. And uh, when she got out of jail, she went to Dallas and never came back. I see. So, okay. So I was left to care for him while I was uh, still in the Army. So. Wow. That's a tough situation. So you were stationed at Fort Hood? Yes. Or not Fort Hood. Yeah, Fort Hood. Okay. Um, all right. So um, then you went to court to get legal custody. Is that right? Yes. Uh, I filed for a divorce when she refused to come back. And... Um, and custody was established uh, the first time we went to court, uh, I was awarded custody. Then how long after that happened did Alicia take the children? Uh, about two years. About two years, okay. So it was just, they had just gone for a regular visit with her, right? Uh, yes, they were, uh, they had um, um, summer visitation with her uh, when she took them to Mexico. Okay. And then uh, what I remember is she left you a, a message you will never forget. Yes. And that's that you uh, wouldn't see the, ever see the children again. Yes. She told me I would never see my sons again. And she told me if I even wanted to ever hear their voices, um, I'd better start sending $2,000 a month to her bank account. Wow. So what, what did you do then? What was your next step? Um, I, I drove up to, uh, to Northwestern Hills, um, outside of Dallas where she lived, um, to, uh, to, uh, I went to the police department there and got them involved immediately to go to the house and see if there was any signs of them, see if maybe she was, you know, bluffing about Mexico or something. Um, I don't know. And, mm-hmm. uh, and then, um, to start the whole process from there. And was she originally from Mexico? She was born in Mexico, but she's been living in the States since, I don't know, four or five years old, I think. Okay. And was so, she living with her mother at the time? Yeah. Um, her and her three brothers were all living with their mom up in North Richland Hills. Okay. All right. And did they all leave? No. Um, no, it was a collaborated effort by a lot of family members, but only the only Alicia and her mom took the kids actually and went to Mexico. Okay, so her brothers knew what was going on. Yeah, they knew what was going on. They attempted to uh, divert the police towards Colorado, um, and uh, they had other family members on to people like that that were sending her money and so. Wow, amazing! Yeah. So. Yeah. So then, how did Logan get involved? And I'm going to introduce Logan in a minute. But how did Logan get involved? Um, well, uh, me and I lived uh, over three hours uh, away from where they were supposed to be in Dallas, and I was hoping uh, that they really weren't in Mexico. I hired a private investigator out of Dallas uh, to, um, you know, to stake out the house and watch some activities there. And um, when nothing turned up, and uh, the idea of them being in Mexico seems like a very plausible idea. Now, uh, he um, he recommended Logan, so I you know I called Logan up and and he agreed to take the case. 
Okay. So I'm, glad, I'm glad he is today, I'll tell you that. Yeah, for sure. Who was the PI in Dallas? Um, well, I, I don't have his name in front of me. I had him for a very short period. I'm, I'm sorry. Okay. I, I, I forgot okay. his name. That's all right. Okay, so let me let, just introduce Logan Clark. Uh, Logan has been a private investigator for 30 years, and uh, I have to say I've probably known him for most of that time, Logan. Um, <laughs> I hate to admit that, but <laughs> it's been a long time that we've known each other. Uh, he's an expert in recovering abducted children, and he and his associates have recovered scores of children throughout the world. I'm, I'm going to ask him how many he thinks he's recovered. I don't know that he even knows. And he's reunited them with their custodial parents. Um, He's an expert consultant for CBS News, 60 Minutes, 48 Hours, or he has been, Inside Edition, and A Current Affair. He's been featured on USA Network's Entertainment Tonight, Hard Copy, Maury Povich, Larry King. He's the subject of many TV documentaries and books, just too numerous even to list, and all featuring true stories of family abduction cases from just across the globe. He appears regularly in Los Angeles radio media, Discussing this subject, child abduction, also white slavery, occult crimes, and all kinds of other investigative subjects. And award-winning actor Pierce Brosnan is developing and producing a television series based on Logan's life with two films that are featured in Logan's work. So welcome, Logan. Thanks for coming on the show. Hi, Francie. How are you today? I'm good. So you get a call from Stephen James. Yes. Tell me what happens next. Um, <laughs> he, uh, he called me up and he told me about the case and, um, I, as I've, you know, said to a lot of people, I, you know, I'm trying to, I'm trying to semi-retire, but, but that's not working out too well. Every time I, you know, say I'm retiring somebody like, like, um, uh, what's his name? Al Pacino. They pull me, pull me back in every time. <laughs> um, but Steven started telling me the story and actually, my first thought, on, honestly, was, well, this is not going to be too difficult. I helped, um, I helped train the Texas Rangers in Texas um, in human trafficking, how to fight it, how to recognize it almost every year um, with Dottie Laster, my partner. I'm the co-founder of the International Human Trafficking Task Force. Mm-hmm. And so I have a lot of connections up there with the, the Texas Rangers and law enforcement and political and all that. So I actually thought that it was not going to be too difficult. I think I told Stephen, I think I even said I can probably do this from, you know, from here in California, didn't I? Yeah. I said, <laughs> yeah. I said I can that make- didn't work out, did it? <laughs> yeah, right. I said I can make some phone calls, rada, rada, rada. Well, yeah, as we all know now, a year later, that, that didn't work out so well. Um, everybody just basically said there's nothing we can do. There's nothing. They started giving me, you know, the, the answers from 20 years ago. That people, so you're talking about law enforcement. Yeah, law enforcement, okay. and everybody just said, "No, it's a yeah, it's a civil matter. It's a civil matter." And I said, "No, it's not. It's a criminal matter. It's you know, it's kidnapping." Da 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 da. And, they, and we just went through these arguments, and Stephen and I kind of went back and forth, back and forth. And I, you know, I was telling him, "Yeah, you're right. This is crazy. Um, Texas is, you know, is is just not recognizing anything, which a lot of states do not." Mm-hmm. Do, right. Even though the laws are on the books. So I flew out there and in November. I flew out and started contacting people and really pushing buttons. And nothing 
Still, I was getting doors shut in my face. Even with the people I knew, they were saying, okay, yeah, we can do something. We can, And then they would get back to me in a few hours or the next day and say, nah, nothing can be done. Mm-hmm. Even, even district attorney's offices that I had connections. My nephew is one of the owners in a group of five or six, you know, really nice restaurants and, and lounges all throughout Texas. Mm-hmm. And one of his friends is an assistant DA. And just on and on, even through tremendous connections, people that wanted to help, they said, um, you know, the DA will not do anything. No one will press charges. Hmm. And so I told Stephen, I said, we've got to go to the press. We've got to go to the press. I've got, you know, contacts in the press. And the press can be your best friend or your worst enemy, depending on which side you're on. Sure. Kind of like, kind of like me. Um, you know, (laughs) if I'm looking for you, you're, you're in trouble. If I'm helping you, it's good. Um, so they, they, but Steven was really afraid to go to the press because he felt, and, and rightfully so, because it, it does happen sometimes that the press will drive her further underground Sure. and make it more difficult for us to find her. Um, but, and, and at that time we thought she might still be in the Texas area, Roman, you know, running around in the Texas or even possibly Oregon where another relative was. And it was, it just took a long time. I mean, literally several months. And finally I said, Stephen, we have to go to the press. There's just no okay. question. Logan, let's stop there and take a quick break because this is a great place to stop. Okay. Logan Clark and Stephen Johnson will be back in a moment. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. Need to hire a private investigator? Ask for their professional association affiliations. When an investigator asks Francie Kaler about associations, she says to first join a state trade association. Francie belongs to the California Association of Licensed Investigators, or CALI. It's the largest association of its kind in the world. CALI's main focus is networking, training, and legislative advocacy. If you need a detective in California, contact CALI at cali-pi.org or call 1-800-350-CALI. For a national association, Francie's choice is the National Council of Investigation and Security Services, or NCISS. For over 35 years, the council's primary mission has been to represent its members before the United States Congress and governmental agencies. Find the council at NCISS.org or call 1-800-445-8408. NCISS and Cali are great places to look for a qualified private investigator. Tell them you heard it from Francie on PIs Declassified. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com You're listening to P.I.'s Declassified with Francie Kaler. You can call into the program. We'll take questions and comments at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You can also email your question to Francie. Send it to francie at pisdeclassified.com. Now, 
Here's Francie Kaler. Logan Clark is a private investigator and a child abduction specialist. Stephen is Stephen James is the father of Zane and Mateo, who were just reunited with him. We were just talking about Logan about getting the press involved because you had been um, stilted at every turn trying to do something for Stephen. So go ahead with that. Yeah. So I went to so far, I went to KXAN where I knew um, a reporter and a producer, and we explained James and uh, Stephen and I went in and we explained the case. And they loved it. They, I mean, they, they said, let's look into it. We will look into it. And if everything that is like it looks here, we will follow the case. They then went into it full force. And um, Chris Willis and uh, Joe Ellis uh, started knocking on doors. I mean, the mayor, the chief of police, everybody knocked on everybody's door, started shoving cameras in people's faces. Um, they did stakeouts to try to find um, Alicia, everything. And still with the press, it makes people nervous. The press really makes law enforcement nervous, Mm -hmm. but we still couldn't get anybody to actually file charges and you have to get charges filed in order to get warrants. And without the warrant, you know, you just, it's, it's a whole process like dominoes. And finally, when in January came around now, we're, we're, you know, we're talking about November when it happened in July all the way now, January, there's an election. A new district attorney comes into Austin, a woman, Janet Duty, and she considered it a crime. And okay, all that's Jan. And you're, you're talking about January 2012 now. Yeah, January okay. 2000. Okay. Uh, to, no, wait a minute, Stephen. It was January. No, that was January 2013. 13, yes. Yeah, 2013. Okay. We started, okay. It started in July of 2012. Yes. Okay. So finally, in January 2013, Jana Duty um, comes on board. She's the new DA, and she considers it a crime. Roger Harris gets involved, the sar- sergeant senior investigator for the DA's office. And this guy's like a dog with a bone. I mean, he took on to this case, and, he, and, and it was crazy. He called me up, and he said, Logan, I've never done one of these before. I'll be honest with you. Um, he said, I need your help. He said, I, I, if you would advise me on this thing, work with me. Cause he knew I was on the case for so long. Mm-hmm. And I, we talked, Roger and I talked three times a day, six days a week. It was unbelievable. After hours, before hours, everything going wow. through every single detail. And that's when things finally started to happen. That's and we were in a panic. Like what Stephen was saying during the break, we were in a panic because those kids were in danger. They had been in yeah. danger for two years before that. Talk about that, Stephen. Would you? You were just telling uh, telling us on the break about that. Uh, yes, um, uh, my sons were subject to a lot of uh, physical, mental, emotional abuse um, prior to the kidnapping. Um, uh, they were awarded uh, weekend visits uh, up to Dallas to see their their mom, uh, but they would be constantly returned. Uh, from those visits with bruises and cuts on their arms from discipline. And they were constantly uh, uh, forced to uh, uh, follow um, the religion of the family up there, uh, which was a religion that was excommunicated from the Vatican. And in doing so, though, they were, they were literally told over and over again that, that everybody in my family and anybody helping me would go to hell because they weren't following their faith. And uh, it was devastating for my sons because they are uh, – 
uh, very religious. And, um, and, and then when we took the issues numerous times over and over again to the police departments, to the CPS, um, over and over again, I was told that, that the bruises and cuts are not considered child abuse in Texas. And wow. so, so I, you know, as, as a retired soldier, I'm not used to feeling helpless, but, um, I was helpless as a father to protect them. I, you know, if I did not send them up there, um, I could be charged and arrested. Um, if I did send them up there, uh, I knew they were going to come back hurt. Uh, and nobody I called, every agency that was supposed to be in place to help um, me out and help my kids out, uh, so they couldn't do anything. So. And you described a situation... Um, get, it sounds like I'm getting some feedback, but you described a situation where your one son had to protect the other son because well, his mother was throwing furniture around. Yes, their their mother was um, was was an alcoholic, um, really bad. Seven days a week, lost her job, um, and um, uh, there was a night where they went up for the weekend to stay with her at her apartment. That at, at her, she was staying with her boyfriend. Her boyfriend had an apartment. Uh, the boyfriend decided he wanted to go out. She got angry, uh, started drinking heavily to the point that she was um, flipping chairs over. She flipped the stove over. And uh, it was a pretty scary situation um, for my sons. And so Mateo took Zane into another room and barricaded the door to protect him um, uh, from any possible harm and, uh, and called for help on the phone. And uh, that led to a temporary order from CPS for supervised visitation where she's not supposed to be alone with her kids. However, they named her mother as the supervisor, oh. um, mm-hmm. and which made absolutely no sense because her mother at the time was also under investigation for leaving bruises and cuts on my sons. Uh, so it was well, really your, son's just, pretty, your son's pretty smart to you have called. Who did he call? He called, he called them, um, her mother. Um, oh. and, and when and then they before they returned them to me on Sunday, they ordered both of the boys not to tell me any of this took place. And then they even took them to the family priest who told the boys that it would be in their best interest not to tell me that any of that took place. Oh, uh, okay. Wow. So. Okay, Logan, back to you. So you get yeah. the press involved. You get you get the DA's office involved. And so what happens next? Well, I had run um, through through my own sources. I had found her in um, w- within about fifty feet. Her using her IP address that she was sending emails from. I found her. I traced her to Orizaba, and but I didn't know if it was real or not. I mean, I really had no confirmation. We didn't have any money to really send somebody down to Mexico at that time and get any kind of a verification. And I sent it to Steve, and it didn't make any sense to anything because it was so far down in Mexico. Yeah, Orizaba's down by Mexico City, isn't it? Oh, wait, it's down by Veracruz. And it's a really dangerous area. Getting there and getting out of there, there was an ICE agent killed on that very same road. In fact, we had... Um, one of the task force members on my task force is Javier Vasquez, and he owns um, Swift International, and he's been with Customs and ICE for 30 years he's in a supervisor position. And um, so, but we didn't have him at that time. At the time that I had gotten that Orizaba lead, we didn't have him, mm-hmm. and so so we didn't know if that lead was any good or not. And then when when Javier 
came in and when we started getting warrants and stuff like that because of the district attorney's office, then the Roger started um, uh, putting subpoenas out to Google, Yahoo, every account this woman had and anybody connected to her. They, they blanketed subpoenas and found out everything she was doing, who she was talking to. They traced her and came up with the same address. Uh-huh. And didn't, it, it, the same, not the same address, but the exact same area. Yeah. And he pinned it down. Roger pinned it down to, you know, a gnat's ass. He had, it, he had it right on to within 50 feet of where it was. And mm. then Javier, by that time, we had Javier Vasquez involved in it. And so he was able to get people with feet on the ground in Orizaba, literally across the street. And we were able to get a photograph. He, he got a photograph of which one did he get a photograph of, Stephen? Zane. Zane, yeah, through a window with bars on it. And in this little bitty shanty in, 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 in some little tiny Mexico town. And he's sitting behind the window, behind these bars, with this blank look on his face. And we got a photo. Javier got a photograph of it. It was great. He literally had a guy across the street. So then we and, knew where and they And Stephen, excuse me a second. Stephen, Zane is the nine-year-old, correct? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Oh, I'm then sorry. We, go ahead. Then we knew where they were, and then it's a matter of, uh, and, and, and I do this all over the world. I mean, everywhere from Turkey to Sudan, Iraq, uh, uh, Philippines, you name it, Poland. Um, Poland didn't go so well. I was thrown in prison, but that's a whole nother story. <laughs> that's another story. <laughs> <laughs> that's another show. It's happened a few times. Yeah. Um, so anyway, um, um, the, the, the problem sometimes is not finding them. Many times it's not finding them. Once you find them, then you got to get them out. And that's yeah. when it really gets difficult, especially depending on how far they are from the border. Now, Orizaba is about an hour from Veracruz, 45 minutes from Veracruz, which is right on the water. Uh-huh. So that's good news when you're trying to do an extraction. And so I had Navy SEALs, um, all kinds of different teams that we were trying to figure out the best way to do it, whether we go by air, by sea. The problem with going by sea is once you get out there, you're there. There's nowhere for you to go. Um, and if they start looking for you and they've got the means to look for you, you're, you know, like a, a, a fish in a fishbowl. Yeah. So, but anyway, we had seals that were going to do it, but the prices that we were getting, even from friends of mine were a hundred, $115,000. Um, mm-hmm. it was insane. The amount of money that they wanted to go in. But, and again, it's a, you know, it's a very dangerous area, but I right. had, I had had seals, um, on jobs in Jordan. And I had SEALs quoting me jobs in Jordan of, of $50,000, $60,000 to go in and rescue two kids out of Jordan. And this is when the Syrian war had just broken out. So I, I just couldn't imagine comparing Jordan, uh, not Jordan, um, Syria and, yeah, Jordan, comparing that to Mexico. But everybody else did. It was just that dangerous. And is that because of the cartels? Is yes. That, yeah, okay. Yeah, cartels, extreme, because we have to travel the same road that the bad guys do. Right. And, and, and you, you have to be very careful when you're doing this. We're trying to rescue a couple of kids, but the law enforcement, as far as they're concerned, we're, we're, we're dealing drugs. As far as the you know, cartels and the bad guys are concerned, we're in, in on their territory or we're law enforcement. Mm-hmm. 
So everybody looks at us as potential bad guys, and we're everybody's target. And all we're trying to do is save some kids. Okay, so what did you do next? Um, After saying a few prayers. (laughs) Really? Yeah. 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 Um, Lots of prayers, I suspect. Yeah, we we got some feedback or something. We came up with um, a plan. Roger and I talked and talked and went over the whole thing. And we came up with a plan to trick her. And I can't go into a lot of detail on exactly what we did. Um, But we came up with a plan to trick her into bringing the kids to a border town to meet with a relative who was actually on our side, actually working for us. And once we got her out of the Orizaba area, closer up to the Texas border, then it was, you know, 80% less of a problem mm-hmm. to get her. And then it was just a matter of getting her. We got her to a hotel in Orizaba, and then it was just a matter of very creatively getting the kids away from her without her thinking that the children were being taken back to the father. And that's therein lies the expertise and uh, the knowledge of, how to pull these things off without getting arrested. I mean, and and it varies every single time. And I can't go into some things because at certain points we break laws and that's just the way it is. You know, we, we, we have to do things that are in the gray, black, whatever you want to call it area. And when it has to do with saving children, I really don't care. Um, it's my butt that's on the line. If I'm the one that's in the country, Whatever is going on, we will do, you know, what's necessary short of, you know, short of shooting somebody. We're going to get those kids across if we're that close. But in this case, in this case, you had law enforcement behind you. Oh, yeah. We had law enforcement backing us up. But law enforcement could not go into Mexico. Law enforcement cannot. You know, I've worked with law enforcement many times on things and never like these guys. These guys, this is the greatest cooperation I have ever seen in 35 years of doing this with, um, with, with Duty and Roger Harris. I've never seen anything like it. And it should be that way with everybody else. But they can't go in. They tried the U.S. Marshals. Roger himself talked to friends of his in the U.S. Marshal. And they said, Roger, we want to help. We get these things all the time. We want to do something, but we can do nothing. Mexico, even though Mexico will send some people back, they send a lot of people back here that are rapists, child molesters, and everything Mm -hmm. else, but they do not recognize child custody orders, no matter what. They just don't recognize, like almost every other country in the world. People say, they always tell you, go to the Hague Treaty, go to the Hague Treaty. Well, the Hague Treaty, Francie, is like Swiss cheese, okay? It It is full of loopholes, and I could go on and on about, I could tell you the different loopholes, but it it's ridiculous. Yeah. The Hague okay. Treaty costs a fortune. It takes three to five years. And then by the time you may get to court and you may win, the children have been in that country for over three years. It then becomes their domicile. And that's one of the loopholes with the Hague Treaty. They go, well, now it's their domicile, so you can't have them. It's a well- joke. Are there more loopholes regarding the Hague Treaty in Mexico, or is it just Everywhere. all over? Everywhere. Everywhere. The Hague Treaty okay. itself is, um, is, is a joke. I, I've not, in all the time I've been in this business, I know two people 
in 35 years out of hundreds of cases, two people that got their children back through the Hague Treaty, and it cost them an excess of thirty to $50,000 hmm. and took years, three to five years. Well, I think, you know, I mean, uh, one that's really famous is the, the kid that was abducted to Brazil. Yes. The five that yep. we've all heard about. Yep. Too bad he didn't contact me. Uh, he'd have had him back long before that. <laughs> that's true. I'm, I'm sure kidding. that's true. <laughs> we've done it in Brazil. So even though Alicia was charged with first-degree aggravated kidnapping and unlawful flight to avoid prosecution, you still couldn't, they still couldn't carry that down and get Mexico's support. Mexico couldn't care less. It's a parental thing. They look at it the same way. It's a civil matter. And the ridiculousness of that, Francie, is when someone tells you, and this is for all PIs listening to this, when, 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 when somebody tells your client, when a DA or, or law, enfor law enforcement can't do anything, if you stop a black and white, they don't even know the laws. Um, but if you talk to a district attorney or an ADA and they tell you, no, it's a civil matter, the answer is, okay, 35 years ago, 40 years ago, if a man or a woman slapped their spouse around, you slap your wife around and the cops would come to the door, they'd knock on your door and they'd say, look, knock it off. You guys get this straightened out. We don't want to come back here. All right. Just get it together. And they would leave because it was a mm -hmm. civil matter. Nowadays, and that's exactly the way it happened all across the country. And right. nowadays, if you slap your wife around, you go directly to jail. Do not pass. Go bang. You're in jail. Yeah. However, the same laws exist on child kidnapping, parental abduction. So you, if you slap your wife around, you will go to jail. But if you right. steal her children for the rest of their lives, they will do nothing to you. Hmm. They will, it's a civil matter. So I look at the DA and I go, okay, Mr. DA, so you're telling me that if I slap my wife around, I'm gonna go to jail, but I can steal her children and you'll do nothing. Absolutely nothing. So you're choosing selective prosecution. And the DA starts stuttering. Literally, they go, well, no, 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 I didn't say that. It's a, mm -hmm. It is not a civil matter, sir. It's the same thing as beating up your spouse. It is a criminal law. It's even worse. You will go to jail for a longer amount of time if you steal someone's child, your, your spouse's children. But they do not. It's just like 35 years ago. They don't want to. They make the decision selective prosecution we consider this a civil crime we consider this a civil matter and you have to go through the courts well it's not it's a criminal matter and you sir are just making that selective decision and that's where you get them if you can get to the news and you can say that on the news you will embarrass them and they'll lose the next election well, and don't you think that it, it, it's because they don't have hard evidence that the children are abused, perhaps? or No. No, no they don't have to be abused. They do not have. You cannot take your, the children. You, if you are divorced, if you're still together, if you're married, if you're separated, I don't give a rat's ass what it is. You cannot take the children and hide them from the other parent, period. Okay. Even if, if you have joint custody. Even if you have joint custody at all, you cannot do it, period. It is against the federal law, and in almost every state it's against. But it's the law is just bare. It just sits there on the books. Yeah. Well, and 
And Logan, you were telling me uh, several years ago you were um, instrumental in getting a law passed in California, for example, to make uh, this a crime. Yes, well, it was it, it, it was a crime. I helped I helped it become a crime. But after it was a crime, Gray Davis, when he was still a state assemblyman, um, wanted um, to be able to sue anyone who helps, and that's the way that we got. To, you know, to these guys, but uh, you want to be able to sue anybody who helps, anybody who lends assistance to someone who kidnaps chil- the children, um, if they help them get away, if they lie to the police, if they send them money to keep them going, if they hide them, anything, hmm. they can contribute. You can file a lawsuit against them, a civil lawsuit, and collect damages from them, all the money that it cost you, everything that happened to you. You can sue every single one of them. And if their boss lied for them, which several bosses will do when someone takes the children, you can sue the company that they work for. Okay. Now, that's in California. That's in California. Yeah. So, so, But you were operating in Texas where they didn't have anything like that. Right. But the law exists there. I don't know if the civil law. I asked KXAN to check into it. They never got back to me. But um, – I didn't care about the lawsuits then. I cared about arresting people. That's when I told Roger, I said, well, listen, when he asked for my advice and my help with him, I said, what you need to do is start arresting relatives. And I said, I mean it. I said, start locking up all these relatives that assisted um, Alicia in any way on this thing. And when you start locking up relatives, the family folds like a card table. All, the family is what keeps this, these people together. The family is what helps them. The family is what sustains them while they're hiding with these children. So if you start arresting and that door clicks, we arrested <laughs> Roger with TV cameras, went to the aunt of Alicia. And Amazing. At, at her work, during work hours, walked in with officers and arrested and handcuffed her right at her office. And this woman had never been in jail. She hadn't even seen the inside of a, of, of a sheriff's office, probably. This woman, she was really nice. She was a nice woman. She got handcuffed and taken, and then they locked her up, and that door clanged. And then they transferred her to Williamson County. Where was it, Stephen, that they picked her up? Um. Was it Dallas? Yeah, it was. Uh, it was in Dallas area. Yeah, in the Dallas stuff. area. So all the way. So then the next day they transferred her in a paddy wagon. Amazing. From, this is just astonishing. Oh yeah, <laughs> from from Dallas and on purpose they transferred, handcuffed her, put her in leg. I mean, transferred her in a paddy wagon down yeah. to down to Austin and locked her up there. And that's when she knew. She was in a lot of trouble, and the bail for her was four hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Huh? Now, so did she start? Did she start cooperating? Oh, you better believe she was talking in the paddy wagon. Uh huh. She was, man. She was talking a mile a minute. (laughs) She said, "I'll do anything you want, man. I'll tell you. I'll tell you where she is. I'll tell you what she's doing. I'll tell you her phone number." (laughs) Wow! Wow! And that's what you got to do. And then we, but we went further than that. You know, one of the, um, one of the, the brothers has, doesn't he have Asperger or something, Stephen? I'm sorry. 
The one of the brother George. George has what? Aspergers. Uh, George George uh, was registered with the state um, as a. Uh, I don't know exactly what they registered him with, but but basically being a, a little slow socially and and um, academically, and so he did, so the the mom was actually getting uh, paychecks from the state every month for him. Yeah, and he was, I mean, you could tell, you could look at him and tell that there was something wrong. It was like a sort yeah. of like Down syndrome, you, you know, between Down syndrome and Aspergers, I guess. And then we got a warrant for him, and I mean, this okay. is actually. You know, because the aunt, the aunt was willing to cooperate, but the mom didn't care. The mom and the grandma didn't care. They were in Mexico, and their their attitude basically was, you know, let's, let's, so what? She's in jail, you know. And so I told Roger, I said, you got to start arresting more people. You got to start locking up more people. You keep locking them up, and pretty soon everybody will fold. So one of the brothers called up. He was so pissed off that his aunt was in jail. <laughs> He said, I'll go down there and slit her throat. <laughs> he said, oh, really? Yeah, he did. He said, I, <laughs> this guy, this guy was a street guy and he, he was tough. And he said, I'll go down there and slit her throat myself and bring those children back. And we went, no, 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 no. Just hang on a little bit. You know, <laughs> let's not get that carried away. And um, so he was just going to go down to Mexico. Him and his buddy were going to go down. He's never even been to Mexico, didn't speak Spanish or anything. So we're going to have two dead bodies on our hand. Now, yeah, told, really? <laughs> yeah, we told him, wait a minute, wait a minute. Don't do that. Just, just you know, just work with us. And But what the, the only thing that worked, we actually got warrants for George. And, and Stephen kept telling us, if you go after George, that's when Alicia and everybody will collapse. Because if George is arrested, then, you know, then, then panic's going to set in with everybody. So we got a warrant mm -hmm. for George and we purposely, and this is where some of the trickery comes in. We purposely went to the house where George was not. We knew George was not there. We did not really want to arrest George, but we wanted the family to, to know we were going to arrest George. So I we see. went to the door with the warrant, showed the warrant, and said that we were there to pick him up. Not I say we. The, the, I wasn't there. The, the police did. Yeah. And went to the door and said, we're picking, you know, we've got a warrant. We want George. Well, that spread like wildfire that we were after George. And we really weren't going to pick him. We would have. I, I guarantee you. They, they would have picked him up had this not bluff not worked. Mm -hmm. But it worked in the sense that it tricked her to come to a border town to meet a relative who was going to try to talk to her and, and, and see what could be worked out. She, her whole thought was if she could get a message to CPS, if she could get in contact with CPS in Texas, that she had brainwashed these boys enough that she believed they were going to lie and they were going to say their father molested them. And they made insinuations like that. They made, you know, uh, the boys did. And they had no other choice. They did whatever the mom, you know, uh, told them to do because that's they were down in Mexico. So anyway, okay. um, they we got we got word that she would be able to talk to CPS. And long story short, the boys when we finally got the boys, the boys told CPS and the law enforcement they said, you know, our mom told us we had to say all these things. Our dad has never touched us. Our dad's never done anything like that. We love our dad. 
But we would have said anything our mom told us to say because we were alone with her in some little Mexican town. And I mean, I don't know if she was beating them or threatening them or what she was doing, but you can brainwash a child. Of course. You know, course. Uh, pretty easily. You really can't. Well, parent. Logan, this is a good time to take a short break. Uh, we'll okay. return shortly with Logan and Stephen. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. Need to hire a private investigator? Ask for their professional association affiliations. When an investigator asks Francie Kaler about associations, she says to first join a state trade association. Francie belongs to the California Association of Licensed Investigators, or CALI. It's the largest association of its kind in the world. Cali's main focus is networking, training, and legislative advocacy. If you need a detective in California, contact Cali at cali-pi.org or call 1-800-350-CALI. For a national association, Francie's choice is the National Council of Investigation and Security Services, or NCISS. For over 35 years, the council's primary mission has been to represent its members before the United States Congress and governmental agencies. Find the council at NCISS.org or call 1-800-445-8408. NCISS and Cali are great places to look for a qualified private investigator. Tell them you heard it from Francie on PIs Declassified. IRB Search is where quality matters. IRB provides access to the best online data for locating people, businesses, and assets. IRB data gives you strength in numbers, allowing you to access billions of records. Even with partial information on your subject, IRB Search instantly returns current and past addresses, phone numbers, and more. Call IRB Search today at 1-800-447-2112 to sign up. Mention PIs Declassified, and you'll receive a two-week free trial of 100 free searches to get started. Call 1-800-447-2112. To find out why IRB Search is simply the best. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. You're listening to PI's Declassified with Francie Kaler. You can call into the program. We'll take questions and comments at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You can also email your question to Francie. Send it to francie at pisdeclassified.com. Now, here's Francie Kaler. Stephen Johnson's sons were abducted and taken to Mexico when Stephen was a custodial parent, as determined by the court. Stephen is here telling his story along with internationally known private investigator Logan Clark, who was instrumental in getting the boys returned to their father. And we were just saying that they had, you guys, somebody, (laughs) the family member had uh, made arrangements for Alicia, your ex-wife Stephen, to get to a border, a Texas border town under some guise of, what was it again? Um, that she might be able to, that, that she was going to explain to the family member about CPS. And, and I, I think that she thought that, that the family member would then go back and, and, and tell her story to CPS and somehow get CPS to intervene in this thing. 
And like I said, I can't go into all the details of exactly right. what happened there. We, we had a whole plan and just to, to suffice, it worked. The bottom it, line is the boys, the boys were brought back into Texas. Yeah. We were at the Laredo border uh, with Steven and um, it, it, he didn't know for, you know, for a couple of days what was going to happen if it worked or whatever. And then it, it, it finally, you know, finally the boys were at the border in our hands, in the law enforcement's hands, in my team's hands. And we were able to tell him that they're on U.S. soil and that they're safe. And Stephen fell apart. <laughs> wonderfully, yeah. wonderfully fell yeah, apart. Yeah, yeah. It was a tears of great joy and, and weak knees of, of great joy. And Alicia, what happened to her? There's still a $450,000 bail and they want her. Now they want her even more because she programmed the boys to lie to authorities about molestation, which a lot of these, you know, women do. They say, oh, yeah, my husband's molesting. That's always their last resort. Mm -hmm. They always, you know, not all of them, but a, a huge amount of them come up with this sexual molestation. But anyway, it didn't work. And now there's a warrant for her. And if she ever steps foot back in this country, she will go to jail and they'll put her away so far they have to pump daylight to her. And, and Stephen, the condition of the boys was pretty sad, correct? Uh, yeah, it was really bad. Um, Can you talk about that? Was, yeah, they, like, like uh, Logan said earlier, they, um, all they had to wear is what was on their backs. Um, and uh, the shoes they were wearing were the shoes that they were wearing when they were taken. So they weren't even the right size anymore. And their feet were coming out the sides of the shoes. Um, Neither one of them had glasses anymore. They're supposed to be wearing glasses. They had no dental care, no medical care. Um, they need extensive uh, uh, dental work now. Um, and uh, they also have high lead counts of, um, in their bloodstreams. Um, they, uh, it, it was just it was really bad. They smelled horrible. They hadn't owned a pair of socks in over three months, they told me. So... Um, yeah, it was just, it was really uh, below standard living conditions that any child should have to endure. Well, they've only been back, gee, a little over a month, right? Um, they came back in, much in exactly June? a month. <laughs> yeah. So how are they doing now? Oh, they're, they're, they're great. Um, it, it's, it's amazing. They're, I have, uh, I'm fortunate to have very um, resilient um sons because it's almost like the year didn't happen you know i mean they're they're downstairs laughing or you know playing video games reading books that they didn't get a chance to read during the past year um it's just it's just amazing um how strong they are but um you know we're trying to get their life back together and it's it's yeah. pretty tough with the amount of uh, the amount of you know when we have to go out and buy um, all clothes for them they start school in less than a month. We got to get the school supplies. Got to do all this stuff. So it's uh, what a, yeah. They're, what they're about doing very well? What about therapy? Therapy, Steve. Are are they are they going to be able to get therapy? Uh, yes, Counseling? actually, they will be um, able to. Um, we are on the uh, we're we're the next ones on the list at the family advocacy center to receive uh, family counseling there. Good. 
That's that's great. Okay. And I, I want to bring up a couple of things. One is that you mentioned, Steve, to me off the air, that uh, the interesting part about the Hague Convention that we talked about earlier is on the, the Hague Convention web- website. It says that Mexico and Netherlands do not support the Hague Convention. So, yeah, this is, this is on the state.gov's website, their own website. State, okay. Okay. The state.gov? Okay. Yes. And, you know, they're the ones where if your kids get taken, they're, they're the first thing they say is file hate convention paperwork. Um, but on their own website, it lists um, the Netherlands, where the Hague is done at, and Mexico um, as two of the countries that do not even support the Hague Convention. So when you were being told that, or you and Logan were being told that you had to uh, use the Hague Convention to get the boys back, it didn't carry any water at all. No, no, and and I'd like you know I'd like to point out that there's there, that just last year alone over 400 children were were taken just to Mexico, and out of about 400 children, Mexico has said no to the return of every single one of them. So not one child has been returned from them. Um, that's what according to the according to state.gov's own website. So I guess uh, that makes you feel even more fortunate, huh? Yeah, I am very fortunate, and and there's there's still thousands upon thousands of children missing uh, in Mexico alone, as well as around the world. Yeah. Um, but there's no there's no system in place by state or federal governments to do anything about it, um, or to protect our, any future children from any of this happening. The system in place right now to file to the Hague Convention um, is 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 literally worthless. So you're. You're trying to uh, organize some fundraisers that would help not only your children, but to help other children that are in the same situation and get some laws changed. Is that right? Yes. Uh, yes. Um, I, 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 question, um, I question the values of our government at the, at the basic levels when, at a minimum, we can't put the safety and security of our children as number one. Mm-hmm. You know? When we're worried about all these uh, pet projects and we're worried about all this stuff going on, the number one thing any government should do in any country is guarantee the safety of the citizens, especially citizens under the age of 18 who can't protect themselves. And we're not doing that. We're failing at that right now. Well, it sounds like the Williamson County DA's office would provide a good model for what you're doing. Are they supportive in uh, working with you on these legislative efforts? Uh, absolutely, um, and I, I actually have a meeting this afternoon with uh, um, um, with uh, Human and Health Services Division out of Austin, mm-hmm. um, where I, uh, I plan on proposing um, what Logan and Williamson County DA Office Roger was willing to was able to do um, as the blueprint um, for other counties in Texas because we still have hundreds of children missing here. Mm-hmm. Uh, to get this done, and maybe if we can increase the success rate in Texas, um, maybe other states will join in, and eventually we will have to enforce federal laws, um, and we can start bringing some of these kids home. You know, that would be great. That would we be could great. Get hundreds. We could get hundreds of kids home in a relatively very short period of time, regardless of the Hague, regardless of new court action. Everything. If if they would just. That's why I'm trying to get on different shows and different you know, um, yeah. talk shows and everything to let people know that this, you know, they can do, they, this can be solved. You just have to force the law enforcement to do their job and stop selective prosecution. 
Okay. Yes, and also uh, a lot of people don't realize how bad this how bad this problem is in America because they've never had to deal with it. They don't realize there's thousands of kids missing, and to get to get this on a national level, then we can put the pressure on the politicians and law enforcement because right now there's too many politicians and too many law enforcement agencies that really just don't care if your kids get taken. They really yeah, don't. As soon okay. as some congressman's kid is kidnapped by his wife, <laughs> you watch how fast. Probably so. Yeah. You watch. Well, Steve and Logan, we're at the end of our hour. I appreciate so much you coming on and telling the story. It's an important story. Uh, congratulations, Steve, on the recovery of, of Zane and Mateo. I hope they do well. And uh, thank you, listeners for being here. Tune in again next week as we declassify more real stories from real investigators like Logan. It's PIs Declassified. I'm Francie Kaler. Thanks for listening. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thank you very much. You've been listening to PIs Declassified with your host, Francie Kaler. Tune in every Thursday at noon Eastern Time. That's 9 a.m. for you West Coast listeners. P.I.'s Declassified explores stories of deceit, mystery, and detectives unraveling the truth. Every Thursday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific Time, here on the Voice America Variety Channel. Need to hire a private investigator? Ask for their professional association affiliations. When an investigator asks Francie Kaler about associations, she says to first join a state trade association. Francie belongs to the California Association of Licensed Investigators, or CALI. It's the largest association of its kind in the world. CALI's main focus is networking, training, and legislative advocacy. If you need a detective in California, contact CALI at cali-pi.org or call one 800 350 C-A-L-I. For a national association, Francie's choice is the National Council of Investigation and Security Services, or NCISS. For over 35 years, the council's primary mission has been to represent its members before the United States Congress and governmental agencies. Find the council at NCISS.org or call 1-800-445-8408. NCISS and Cali are great places to look for a qualified private investigator. Tell them you heard it from Francie on P.I.'s Declassified. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network its staff and management.